Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. When I was in junior high, my family and a few other families from our church, we went camping. And there were some other kids there who were my age at the time. We were kind of like junior high-ish, like I said. And a few of us decided one day that we were going to go for a walk. And as we're on this walk, there's a girl in our group named Lisa who saw something fluttering in the grass close by to where we were walking. And she wandered over there just to see what it was. And when she got there, she kind of stood over top of this thing and gasped and then quickly bent down and picked it up. And we were all like, whoa, what did Lisa find? And she turned around and she says, guys, it's a $50 bill. I just found a $50 bill. Now, if we're going to translate that story Probably, if, it, if it's Canadian dollars, she might be saying, so you understand, guys, it's a $10 bill. It's a, it's a $10 bill, right? <laughs> so nonetheless, she found this 50 in Canadian funds, and immediately our walk was over, everything was done, and we had to get back to the campsite in order to get this $50 bill into safekeeping. So she brought it into her, her trailer where her family and her were camping, and she put it into her wallet, and she kept it there safe. Over the course of the weekend, we went for more walks, and she would always say, guys, remember that spot? That's where I found that 50. And then the next weekend in church, she came to us and says, so I think I'm going to spend my $50 bill like this. And even the next year, we went camping again, if my memory serves correctly, and Lisa went out with us again. She says, guys, remember that spot? That's where I found that 50. See, it was like this joyful experience. It just changed her life, right? Who knew that only $50 is what it took to change a life? But nonetheless... This story of Lisa and this $50 bill has a lot of similarities to a parable that I'd like for us to look at this morning. This is from Matthew 13, verse 44. A lot of great kingdom parables in Matthew 13, 44. Would you mind, Brent, clicking on the PowerPoint? Beautiful. I I still don't have it. If you click, there we go. Thank you. All right, Matthew 13, 44 says... The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So just like last week, we have another one-sentence parable. But what is Jesus trying to communicate to us in this quick parable? Let's figure this out together. We're going to kind of look through this thing piece by piece. The first thing that Jesus says here in verse 44 is that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure okay Jesus is telling us that the kingdom of heaven is treasure or it has great worth a treasure isn't just a five dollar bill that you get in a birthday card from your great aunt Helen that kind of garners the response of oh that's nice it's not like that it's not a mediocre response kind of thing it's it's a great treasure that is precious to us it's priceless it has immeasurably great value and worth As a matter of fact, the kingdom of God is such a treasure that it is unforgettable. I looked in the Bible this week to see if there were other places where there were aspects, specific aspects of the kingdom of God that were talked about based on how valuable they are to us. And wouldn't you know, there were several instances where I found this. Just some some examples were 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, which says the good news about Jesus is a treasure. Or Colossians 2 3, which says the treasure of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. 
First Peter 2 verse 6 says that Jesus is a precious cornerstone. Second Peter 1 1 says our faith in Jesus is precious. First Timothy 4 verse 8 says godliness has value in all things. And Psalms 36 verse 7 says the unfailing love of God is priceless. Isn't that amazing that we see these specific portions of the kingdom of God and they're all talked about based on how valuable they are to us. I think there's a, there's a, a general idea in scripture that, that God's trying to communicate to us that his kingdom has great worth. But what makes these different aspects of God's kingdom valuable in the first place? I thought about this for quite a while this week. Something isn't valuable just because I say it is or because you say it is. It has worth in the eyes of more than one person, right? So in, in the retail world or in like the collectibles and the antiques world, uh, or in the automotive world, all these different things. There's, there's five criterion that are commonly used to determine value. And those are rarity, condition, authenticity, significance, and demand. Those are the five things that in the eyes of most people will tell us if something has worth or value or not. So let's look at five, these five categories in the context of the kingdom of heaven. So first of all, rarity was one thing that determined if something had worth or not. So literally, there's nothing else like the kingdom of heaven. It's extremely rare, right? It's a one of a kind. There's no other eternal kingdoms that could possibly compare to what we have in the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God rare? Absolutely. It's the one of a kind kingdom. How about its condition? How is the kingdom of God? It's been around for a long time. Is it hanging in there? Is it depreciating? It's perfect. That's the condition of the kingdom. It always has been and it always will be. Nothing can deteriorate or diminish or destroy the kingdom of God. How about authenticity? Jesus' kingdom is the real deal, isn't it? There's nothing fake or phony about it. This kingdom is forever and true. But once again, how do we know that? This isn't just me saying it. This is actually something that we can see in Revelation 11 verse 15. That passage says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So these things are, are being shown to John as he's writing them down, what he sees taking place in the kingdom. So absolutely, if it's authentic. It's not just a, an urban legend or an old wives tale or something that is passed down like a fable from generation to generation. It actually came directly to people through direct revelation from God. So that it was an authentic thing. It wasn't just like, well, I think it's true. My, I remember my grandparents telling me about it. No, the kingdom of God reveals itself to people. And that's, that's amazingly authentic. How about significance? Is the kingdom of God significant? I believe it is. In fact, I believe it has eternal significance. The kingdom matters to us now during our lives here on earth. And it matters forever into eternity. The kingdom will stand forever. It will bring all other kingdoms to destruction. So the kingdom of heaven will be the only kingdom left standing. That's a very significant thing to know. 
Because if you're going to pick a winner, if you're going to pick something that's going to last forever or that it's, it won't depreciate, you're going to want to pick the right thing. So the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that has significance. And finally, this is an interesting one, demand. Demand is something that shows us if the kingdom of God has value or not. And here's what I think. The love and the peace that are found in Jesus' kingdom are the things that every single person in history is looking for. The love and the peace that we can find in the kingdom of Jesus Christ is in great demand. Many people, unfortunately, just don't know that this love and peace that they long to fill their lives with are only truly available in the kingdom of God. They look for this demand in all sorts of other places in life. They try to fill that void in their hearts by looking for relationship or looking for significance in a career or finances or status or popularity, right? They try to feel loved or try to feel important in all these things, but we can't find that kind of peace. We can't find that meaningfulness and that purpose unless we find it in a place where it will last forever. And that's the kingdom of heaven. So yeah, according to those five areas, I believe that the kingdom of heaven clearly is a treasure of incredible value. So it's not a long shot. It's not an overstatement to say that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. Interestingly enough, not only is it a treasure, but it's a treasure that is hidden. It's a hidden treasure. I don't think that that detail was thrown in there by accident, but it had a purpose. The kingdom of heaven isn't very obvious to most people. The kingdom either needs to be shown to us or we need to somehow stumble upon it like the man in this parable, right? The disciples, think about them when they were called to follow Jesus. They weren't looking for the kingdom of heaven. They didn't come to Jesus and say, we would like to be a part of your kingdom because we recognize it in you. That's not the way it worked. Actually, Jesus came to them and said, follow me. And then through Jesus, they discovered the the goodness of the kingdom. This is how it works for a vast majority of people. We are invited into the kingdom by someone telling us about Jesus. Show of hands, just curious. Can you think of how, or if you think about how you first learned about Jesus, how many of you can think back to a time where somebody, it might have even been your mom or dad, told you about Jesus? Was that your first touch, someone telling you about Jesus? Awesome, right? Now, out of curiosity, if you're brave enough, did anyone figure out or learn about Jesus through your own discovery? Maybe you were just like, I'm so sick of this life. What is truth? And you Googled it and Jesus came up. Or maybe you're in a hotel room and you found a Bible. Did anyone find Jesus in some way without someone else telling you about him? Okay, just curious. So all the hands that went up were for someone telling us about Jesus. So right, the kingdom of heaven is hidden. It needs to be revealed to us. Someone needs to point it out. So here's what happens then in our parable when this man found this hidden treasure. It says when when a man found it, he hid it again. Kind of an interesting thing to do, right? Most people, when they find something, they grab onto it and they say, look what I found. Like Lisa finding that $50 bill, right? But this is different. The man found this kingdom and he realized that he needed to hide it because it was worth protecting. The kingdom is so valuable that we can't treat it carelessly uh, or, and we can't treat it as common or ordinary, but we need to make sure that it is kept safe so that we don't lose it. 
It's a discovery that is worth taking care of. I remember reading a book with my class when I was in about fifth grade. I don't remember much about this book except for one particular scene. A young boy had found a wallet on the ground, and this wallet was loaded with money. It belonged to a wealthy businessman, so there was thousands of dollars of cash in this money. The boy didn't take anything from this wallet, but with the help of his teacher, he returned it to its rightful owner. And as a reward, this young boy was given $500. This young boy had never seen that much money in his entire life. When he was handed $500 cash, he held it tightly in his hand and he didn't even dare let go of it to put it in his pocket. All the way home, he clutched it tightly, probably soaking it with the sweat in his hand. But it was so precious to him that he didn't trust anything to hold on to it but the skin on his hand. He held on to it all the way home until he could put it into safekeeping in his room so that he wouldn't lose it. The kingdom of heaven is like this sudden gift that this boy received. It's, it's of intensely great value, first of all. When we discover it or when someone shares it with us and we realize that we can have it for ourselves... We don't want to easily forget about it or allow it to be stolen away. We're meant to take action to protect it and keep it safe so that we can possess it and enjoy it forever. So that's what this man does. He's working in a field. He finds this treasure. Oh boy, what is this that I have found? And he says, I got to figure something out. But until I can, I'm going to hide this thing because I don't want anyone else to take it away from me. And finally, in this parable, the man who discovered this treasure hidden in a field not only hid the treasure so that it would be kept safe, but he also sold everything he had so he was able to buy the field. So this is why I felt so compelled, this whole idea that we're going to learn about right now of why to do this In the Kingdom series. Do you see what this man did? This is not a small detail here. He recognized very quickly, instantly, the value of this treasure, which is the kingdom. And he did everything that was necessary to take hold of it for himself. So now what was necessary for him to have this kingdom treasure? Well, he had to give up everything else in his life. And that's not, that is not a small thing to say. That's not, uh, I'm not trying to be pithy here or underestimate what this sacrifice is. But he actually had to give up everything else to his name in order to take hold of the kingdom. He couldn't hold on to the possessions that he had been valuing in his life up until that point. If he had held on to everything in his life, he would not be able to take hold of this treasure. Because why? He didn't own the field. He needed to secure the funds so that he could own the field and then take hold of that treasure for himself. But if he said, oh man, I'm not willing to give up all of these things that he had accumulated to that point. If he wasn't willing to lay down everything in his life, that kingdom treasure could not be his. In Luke 9.25, Jesus asks a question saying, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Now, Jesus isn't asking this question because he's looking for an answer. This question is rhetorical. Basically, what Jesus is saying is it's meaningless 
and of no value to have everything we want in this life and, and yet lose out on the eternal life that comes in the kingdom of God. A couple verses earlier in Luke 9.23, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So this idea of daily denying us and the things that our flesh desires, the treasures of this world, that is a daily occurrence that needs to happen. Because daily, our faith in Jesus is being challenged with other things that want to steal it away. So we have to understand that not only does this man have to make a, a huge decision to grasp hold of the kingdom of God initially, but we also, following in his footsteps, must do this continually, day by day, unless we're willing to allow that treasure to slowly slip through our fingers. This is basically the idea of what we talked about last week. We talked about the difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. A fan of Jesus would point, hey, check out this treasure I found. Pretty sweet, eh? And then not actually do anything to take hold of it. And maybe months later, they'd say, hey, remember that time I found that treasure in that field? Man, that would have been so wild if I would have got to own that thing. Or maybe on their deathbed, they might say, Man, if only I would have done something in that moment. If I could go back to that time when I saw that treasure, when I discovered that Jesus loved me and had a plan for my life, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if I would have treated that differently than I did. That's what a fan says, but a follower, they act in the moment. They say, this is worth giving up everything for because nothing else compares to the value and the joy that I'm going to have in giving up everything I thought was good for the true goodness of the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that is the, that's the difference in mentality that we need to be so aware of. Because I think, at times, we're all guilty of being fans of Jesus rather than followers. And we don't hold true to this treasure. We give it up momentarily at times for something that is of far lesser value that will never pay off. It's like a bad investment. It's like someone says, hey, if you give me a thousand bucks, I promise that I will never repay you. Oh man, that's an interesting offer. And then we say, well, maybe it's worth a shot. And we give it to them because we're not thinking about eternal value and we give up something that we can never get back. So friends, let's cling to this treasure. I, I think that these things are, are so important for us. The greatest thing that stands out to me from this parable is the total change of perspective that this man goes through. We don't know what this man was doing in this field. All we know that the field wasn't his. He didn't own it, right? Perhaps he was a hired worker or maybe he was renting this field. But nonetheless, he found this treasure in the field. And from that moment that he laid eyes on this treasure, the trajectory of his life completely changed. The sole purpose of his life became to own that treasure. And that's exactly what he did. In a book that I read recently, there's a story about a, a man named Brandon. He was a, a pretty average guy, and he had become a Christian during his years in college. Uh, when he became a Christian, he didn't know a whole lot about the Bible, so he joined a Bible study with his uh, college teammates, or his football teammates, and a few of them as Christians just grew in their faith as they studied God's word. After college, Brandon took a job as a manager of a, a medical uh, center or a medical office back in his hometown of Post Falls, Idaho. 
When he and his wife first moved back to Post Falls, they began attending a church. After a while, they were asked to lead a small group at this church, and they agreed to do so. The two pastors who were on staff at this church, it was pretty small at the time, they saw that God was working through Brandon in his small group. And as the church grew, they said, man, we need more staff. And they said, man, we should ask Brandon. Like, look at what's going on in his life. Look at what's going on in his small group. He would be a great guy to ask. So the two pastors, they approached Brandon asking him to leave his job and to come on full time at the church. Now, to do this, it would mean a huge pay cut for Brandon. Plus, when Brandon was asked, he actually felt extremely unqualified to be a pastor. After much prayer and discussion, Brandon decided to join the church staff. Now, let's ask some questions here. Let's be a little bit of an antagonist. Brandon, why are you doing this? Why would you give up a job that you worked for, that you went to college for, right? You didn't even go to college to to be in ministry. You went to college to get into medical office management. Why would you give up all that financial flexibility and take a massive pay cut? Why would you go from something that you are confident in and that you know how to do to something that in your own words you say you feel unqualified for? Why would Brandon do this? The only thing I can think of is that Brandon realized that that in life, Jesus' kingdom is the only treasure that matters. There's nothing else that he could gain for himself in this world that could possibly compare to what he could get from working actively in the kingdom of God and taking hold of it for himself. Because of this, he was willing to give up earthly treasures to take hold of an eternal treasure. You know, in the Bible, there's a number of stories about people who encountered the kingdom and it changed them forever. And the person that many of us think of first is the Apostle Paul. Paul went through a dramatic change in his life. He used to believe that only by obeying the Jewish law would he be acceptable in the eyes of God. But through a radical encounter with Jesus, he dropped everything that he once thought was true or valuable. Things that he had devoted his entire life to, and now he, instead of relying on those things, he relied on the forgiveness of Jesus to make him acceptable to God. Just listen to Paul's own words about this change that took place in his heart from Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Obedience to the law used to be what defined Paul's entire life. And now he considers that obedience to the law, that way of living, garbage. It doesn't compare to knowing Jesus and having relationship with Jesus. Paul found the treasure when he met Jesus Christ and joined his kingdom. He willingly parted with all other treasures. Today is the first day of Advent. And um, I think it's important for us to to slow down for just a second here and, and figure out why Advent is important to us today. The word Advent simply means coming. During the Christmas Advent season, we celebrate the coming of Jesus to earth 
as a baby born to a virgin. He came to usher in his kingdom. He did what was necessary to save us from our sins so that we could enter his kingdom. This is called salvation. Jesus, through his gift of giving us his life, offered us salvation. Salvation given to us through King Jesus is the treasure that we're talking about today in this parable. Many Christians describe their moment of salvation, the moment that they made a decision to follow Jesus as joyful, right? Over the years, I've been with many people as they have made their decision to become followers of God. Often these people have turned to me with a huge smile on their face after they've prayed or after they said, yeah, that's what I want, Jeff. And then they said to me, man, it just, it feels like a huge weight has just been lifted from my shoulders. It is remarkable how many times I hear those exact words come out of people's mouths. Maybe you can relate to something like that. Can anyone remember making your own decision to put your faith in Jesus? Can you remember that day when you made that choice? Anybody? Great. Would you say that you experienced some joy in that moment? Yeah. Looking back, whether it was a a moment or it was kind of a period of time where we said, yeah, I guess I am becoming a Christian. This is, this is meaningful to me. This is important to me. This is what I'm building my life on. Looking back, do you realize that these were the moments that you first discovered the treasure of the kingdom of God and you decided to take hold of it? That's an important thing to remember. Every time I read this parable that we've been studying today, it reminds me of the decision I made to follow Jesus and treasure his kingdom in my life. I, it reminds me of the joy that I've had in following him for many, many years. It reminds me that I don't want my love and joy in the kingdom to grow cold or to become ordinary or commonplace. I want to stay focused on this treasure that I found because nothing could ever compare with it. So I guess a question that is good for us to ponder here together is, do we still see our salvation in the kingdom of heaven as our greatest treasure? I'm asking this because sometimes the eyes of our heart can wander away from the joy that we have in our salvation. King David lamented about that in Psalm 51. It's true that we can become distracted. Lesser treasures, the pleasures of this life, they look appealing And they want to sneak in and take back the ground that we gave to God. But that that pleasure that they give us is very momentary and it does not last. Only salvation in the kingdom of heaven is the treasure that is worth holding on to. So just a few questions to, uh, to end the message. I like, I like pondering these things. I ask these things to myself and I want to share these with you too. Will we keep the kingdom of heaven safe in our hearts? Pretty straightforward question, but I think it's something that's worth asking often in our lives. Will we daily give up earthly treasures and hold on tightly to this kingdom treasure that Jesus gives us? That's a renewed commitment, everyday kind of a thing, isn't it? Are we willing to say, Jesus, you're the only treasure I want. Exclusive.
exclusive rights to my heart belong to you. And I know that I've given background where I shouldn't have, but are we willing to say, Jesus, you're the only treasure I want, and then choose to live that decision out? Let's pray for a moment here. Father, I love that your Holy Spirit works deep within us. And I pray earnestly that we as a church would just continue to give you access to the deepest recesses of our heart and our soul. Jesus, there is something about this all-encompassing joy that comes when we shed everything else in favor of taking hold of the treasure that you're giving us in your kingdom. Thank you that you gave us access to your kingdom through salvation. Thank you that you make us new again and that our sins don't define us, but your grace in the kingdom, your love in the kingdom, your forgiveness in the kingdom, your mercy in the kingdom. That's what defines us. That's what makes us whole. And nothing else can ever take away from that. Jesus, help us to continually lay hold of your kingdom each day. To daily take up our cross, dying to the way that we used to live. And choosing again today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and every day for the rest of our lives to say, Today I will live in the kingdom of God, forsaking all else. Give us your heart, Jesus, because ours isn't good enough. We want your heart to be planted within us. Amen.